So, I have a question for you. Okay. Since you watched it on Hulu, uh, after Keok says that the Gould communication device is similar to a TV but more advanced, what did Jack say? Ooh, Gould TV. Okay. So, uh, when it originally aired on Showtime and on the DVD, instead of saying, mmm, Gould TV, Jack says, think it gets Showtime. Somewhat like your television, only much further advanced. Think it gets Showtime? <laughs> but the syndicated version has, mmm, Gould TV. <laughs> So I was curious. I figured it would be the syndicated version on Hulu, but I was curious since it it does say Showtime on DVD. Okay. Yeah. You should bring that up again. (laughs) Yeah. Or we could... On the show itself. That could be the opening to the episode. That's how you want to do it. Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. I'm Thad Haight. And this week we're going to discuss Within the Serpent's Grasp, Season 1. Episode 22. Yes, we are. Depending, Depending on who you, on you count it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thad and I had this discussion over text before the episode because TV Guide and IMDb number them one way, Hulu numbers them another, the DVDs are numbered pretty similar to how Hulu numbers them, but for a different reason. But off by one number. What episode was this on the DVD? This was episode 20 on the DVD. Oh, jeez. It's even worse. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Hulu, Hulu counts the premiere as one episode across two parts. And I'm sure I've mentioned this at least once or twice, where if you are deciding to now, while listening to Within the Serpent's Grasp, start watching SG-1 on Hulu... <laughs> From the beginning, it is going to kick you from the first part of the premiere to the enemy within, and you're going to completely skip the second half of the premiere. But anyway, let's talk about this episode. Yeah, let's talk about this episode. So this is the this episode is notable for a number of reasons. It's the first appearance of Azat Nikito. Yes. It's the first appearance on the show of uh Hatak, or at least that we know it's a Hatak. Where we know it's a Hatak, because they you can sort of see it in the episode Singularity. Yeah, and I suppose it was also meant to be a Hatak in uh the flashback to the movie? Yeah. I guess. Uh oh, we missed the synopsis. Oh, we did miss the synopsis. People aren't gonna know what we're talking about. That's fine. Because we can just move stuff around because Magic. So the synopsis from TV Guide, as always. As the government prepares to shut down the program, the SG-1 team takes what may be their final trip through the gate, finding themselves on a gold ship carrying Skara. Alright, so again with TV Guide spoiling some stuff. Yeah. The fact that they're on a ship was, like, you know, a major plot. Them discovering they were on a ship was a major plot point. Yes. Skara, also a bit of a major pop. Yeah, that too. So this episode is the last episode in which we have, uh, we have Major Ferretti. 
who, as people may or may not remember, was played by French Stewart in the original movie. Yeah, it's kind of a shame they didn't get him back for this one, because honestly, I didn't hate him in that role. I know that French Stewart's kind of a... Divisive. Thank you. Uh, He's pretty divisive, especially because I guess it's his... How he speaks, and his... I don't know if... Is tone the right word? Cadence? Maybe. I'm not a huge fan of French Stewart, uh, but yeah, he was alright in Stargate. He also, much later, will have a role in an episode of Universe, and which I also did not... I also, you know, was totally fine with. Yeah, it was season two, wasn't it? Yeah, he's the guy that uh, finds out that he's dying. Yeah. That's a good episode. Mm-hmm. Season two had more good episodes than season one of Stargate Universe. Especially the second half. Speaking of good episodes, this one, Wowzers, mm-hmm. what a great episode. Yeah. Just good pacing, mm-hmm. you know, solid cliffhanger without being too kind of super obvious. We're going to put a cliffhanger here. So mm-hmm. I have two things that I said wrong several weeks ago that I must apologize for. Yes, you do. One, I said, and both of them happened when we were watching, when we were discussing bloodlines. One, I said that those special priest head markers never appear again. And yet. And two, I said Braytac will be back at the end of this season. And yet. Look how wrong you are. I see you just stand there. <laughs> well, I guess you're probably sitting. I right? am, in fact, sitting. I just need you to sit there and be wrong. It's gonna be rare. We're only gonna get this every so often. This is a this is a moment for both me and the listeners. I do in fact sometimes make mistakes. Okay. The moment is gone. Let us move on with talking about the episode. Yes. Uh yeah, okay, so before we go through it kinda like bit by bit, what really stuck out to you as being a big deal in this episode, other than the first instance of Zet Negatiles. Um, well, the fact that this, like, definitely is a big, you know, plot-important episode. We've got a... We've got a ghoul heading to attack Earth. And... No, you're absolutely right. It, it, I mean, it's a huge deal. Obviously, Jackson had already kind of told us about it. Right. Well, Jackson had told us that it might be a problem. <sighs> I, I, I feel like he didn't think it might be a problem. He was 100% on board of the, this is going to be a problem. Yeah, which is just, I mean, how could he have possibly known 100% that it was going to be a problem? Because it was an alternate universe. I remember you and I talking about this regarding Batman v Superman. Uh, do, do we have to talk about Batman v Superman? We're only specifically going to talk about Batman, or Bruce Wayne, Bruce Man? <laughs> We're only going to talk about Bat Wayne's perspective that he has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And if we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. Now we have to destroy him. But only if his mother's name isn't Martha. You know what? You said we weren't going to talk about it. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I couldn't resist. I feel like it's it, it's like that, where if Jackson thinks that there's even a 
1% chance. Oh, no, I think they should definitely check it out. What I'm saying is there's no way they, they could have been 100% sure that this was happening. No, of course, but that's that. But that's my point, is that he doesn't know 100%. But, oh boy, even though all of these huge glaring things were different, oh boy. Because his point in the last episode was that the defining moment was the death of Raw. Mm-hmm. And that happened in both universes. Although there's sure. nothing in the Mirror episode that makes it clear that it's the death of Ra that's the defining moment. Yeah. Like, I feel like if Ra was the ghoul who... They don't even say that they killed Ra in the... Right, no, exactly. But if they don't say it explicitly... Because they blew up Abydos in that timeline. Right. But exactly, but they actually do drop the nuke in that timeline. Yeah. And their instructions, per the movie... My orders were simple. Track down signs of any possible danger. If I found any, blow up the Stargate. Well, I found some. Eh, uh, fair enough. Okay, so they did kill Ra. Probably. If the nuke worked on board the ship, then it probably worked 100 feet below the ship. I feel... I'm not so, so sure that the capturing Raw was the defining moment. Because I feel like it was later. It was the when they went to Chulak. Mm-hmm. I think that's when they, they truly started the... Yes, uh, Apophis came to Earth just to find out what happened because Rob was killed. But I feel like if they hadn't gone after them to rescue the people, that things may not have escalated. I find it interesting that in about a year from the time that they killed Ra, that that's how long it took for Apophis to be like, huh, I wonder, and then backtrack it yeah. To dial up Earth? Yeah, I do wonder how that... that... And yeah. and he didn't go to... He never went to Abydos to, like, do research or anything, because Daniel said no one had been there. Oh, no, you're right. I had forgotten about that part. So how did he... Yeah, how did he even know? Because future knowledge, the gate has a memory, or the DHD has a memory. Yeah. You can pull the last 10 or 20 addresses. Mm-hmm. But, admittedly, we may not find this out until something like Atlantis, but... <laughs> it's certainly not anytime soon. No, it's definitely a key plot point in Atlantis, though. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to talk about the Miller Bridge. Mm. Mm, Miller time. Just most of Atlantis, really. Heck yes. So, like, spoiler, Atlantis is my favorite Stargate. I love me some SG-1, but... I've always had I've always had trouble with this one. I think I agree with you. I mean, SG-1 ran for twice as long as Atlantis. Yes, and has at least as many good episodes as Atlantis. Right. But, man, especially seasons four and five. Mm Mm-hmm. Atlantis has so many good episodes. Yeah, and Atlantis certainly was more solid out the gate than SG-1. Well, I mean, they had eight years... I mean, you could say the same about Universe. <laughs> no, no, I could say they had 13 years. <laughs> yeah. But 
Uh, oh, Atlantis is so great. I can't wait to. I can't wait till we start talking about it in like three years. Yeah, but getting back to this episode, Raw is the defining moment. Apparently, Jackson's a hundred percent convinced that the problems are going to happen here. The rest of the team are like ninety percent convinced. Mm-hmm. Jack gives General Hammond a little bit of a hard time. I feel like unfairly. Yeah. Where it, it's like Jack is thinking that all Hammond had to do was just snap his fingers and poof, the problem is gone. He like didn't try hard enough to keep the program intact. And that's just unfair. Yeah. I also feel like Hammond did not move with a lot of haste. I mean, he definitely still did exactly what he needed to do because they he did, you know, bypass the lockout and everything. But I feel like Hammond didn't was sort of like help, police, murder when SG One left. Yes. Uh no, exactly. I I thought the same thing. Also, all that uh, props to Hammond. Courts Marshall. Yes, I thought I definitely had the same thought. When Freddie, not as played by French Stewart, point of fact, French Stewart spells his last name correctly. Mm. As opposed to you who spell your first name incorrectly? No. What? No. What? No. I'm, what? <laughs> I'm looking at French Stewart's page on the Stargate Wiki right here, and it's S C T E W A R T. Every time I've seen it, it's been S T U A R T. But I haven't looked at how he spells his name in, I don't know, like, 15 years, because why am I looking at French Stewart's name? It's definitely S-T-E-W-A-R-T. So if he spells his name correctly, then you spell yours incorrectly. <laughs> All of this is getting deleted. <laughs> yeah! You want? Okay. You, French Stewart. So, his first name is also Milton. Yeah. Okay, so not French Stewart's name is Brent State. Oh, okay. New Ferretti is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Ferretti 2. Yes. Gotcha. And as with so many of these people, he is Canadian. Right. Oh, yeah, that's where I know him from. He was on Andromeda. Oh, okay. So before they go through the gate, Teal'c says... I believe a medical attack could be successful. Surgical yes. attack, Teal'c. He's he's informed that that's a surgical attack. Yes. I don't think this is the first time Teal uh, mixes up a metaphor, but it's one of the first. No, you're right. Yeah. It's hard to say if it's 100% the first. But that's a common that's a common trope with Teal in later episodes. On domestic equines, on domesticated equines could not keep me away. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> okay, so I've got some questions for you. Cool. First of all, they can send back the Malp? Yeah, why not? Not even can, but, like, they do? Part of their process is to send back the Malp? They probably, in this instance, wanted to do it to, like, hide the fact that they were in the secret gold base. No, it's probably in this instance to emphasize the fact that the gate just dialed a second ago. Well, okay, yes. That was part of it, yes. But I think... I mean, from a tact, from a strategic standpoint, it makes sense. They just gated into a secret gold base. They should probably get rid of the giant evidence that there's someone here. 
but not the night vision goggles, oh. which they can immediately remember to pack. Speaking of the Malp, I have a thing about that. Bring it on. The Malp goes through the gate. It does? Sees nothing. They Turn say, on infrared. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except it's... There aren't people there, so... What's the infrared seeing? Mm. Good call. No, in that case, it really is just like the low light mode. Yeah. yeah you're right. Because there shouldn't really have been heat sources for the infrared to see. Yes. Other questions. Why do you think that Teal'c wasn't as jazzed about Zat versus Zat Nicotel as that bounty hunter was in a few seasons? <laughs> I forgot about that guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I love that episode, man. I can't wait to talk about that. Oh, one. no, it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Zat, you're right. That is easier. But you're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of archaeologist carries a gun? That's a whole other episode, but sure. I know. I also love that episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's jump ahead. Uh, so they, well, don't even jump ahead. Let's just get to this point. They come through the gate. They are in the room. Teal is showing the shipping containers. We have a very complicated lid. Yeah, they do have a very complicated lid. Right? He's showing them to Jack. They discover the Zat Nicotels. Let's call them Zat Guns, he says. Yeah. And yeah, Tilk doesn't seem thrilled with this. So, speaking of things in containers, uh, just after that interchange, uh, they have to hide because some Jaffa come in. And they make the gold communication device come up out of the container, hang out in front of the Stargate, and then they leave. That was also one of my questions. Like, why? Exactly. Why deploy the ball now? Why deploy the ball in the relatively small cargo room, cargo slash embarkation room, right in front of the gate? I suppose they're safe in the knowledge that no one can dial onto the ship whilst in hyperspace but why deploy it at all why not just wait until it's time for apophis to give his message to bring it out right because it's not like it took a long time to deploy and it's not like it's like some secret where like oh no this was here all along because god power no right no like in the same way that as later in the episode when one of the jaffa says Next page. I don't remember that line. I have many notes. And the host in which he resides. Mm. A. Jaffa. Do not end sentences under preposition. Well, yeah, Jaffa are proper grammarians of this language that apparently everyone in the universe speaks. <laughs> that's my that's my bugbear, but thank you for <laughs> picking up that. <laughs> B. The Jaffa no that the host is separate. Of course they do. But I feel like outside of Teal, this is the first acknowledgement that we've oh, got. No, that. come on, because they know from a Jaffa. Okay, but they're literally the incubators. They know. That's a valid point that I had not considered. Okay, fine. I suppose we don't talk with Jaffa all that often in any of the episodes other than Sh uh, Shackle. Yeah, and Braytech. But Braytech, you can make the same ar argument as Teal'c. Right, exactly. Also, he's not on this episode. No, he's not. You thought he was, you were wrong. But you know what? I can, I can say with 100% certainty he's in the next episode. 
Okay. That's about the same level of certainty as Jackson that Earth was about to be attacked, so it's pretty solid. Right, but the reason I thought he was in this episode is because he is in the next episode, and I thought he was in both parts. Fair enough. So they leave the cargo room. Mm-hmm. And they go off and they wander around the witch. But before they leave the cargo room, they get... Everyone but Teal gets flung across the room. Yeah, that was weird, too. And they ask Teal'c what the heck was that. Sam gives her theory. Teal'c says they should leave, but doesn't say what it was. Right, exactly. And I, like... And Jack even, like, comments on that later. He's like, you didn't tell us we were on a ship in space? Like, I wasn't certain. Like, it appears we were aboard a Goa'u transport vessel. Uh, right, no, exactly. That, But that means you weren't certain. That means you had a pretty good idea, though. Exactly. That's that's where I'm coming at this, is that it's like, it sort of felt like what you're used to in terms when a ship goes into hyper-launch. The heck is that? What What is hyper-launch? Yeah. Oh, this is also the first time we see hyperspace. Yes. Which is apparently ridiculously fast in this episode. Uh, yeah, if they... If Sam's supposition was that at ten times the speed of light, it would take them a year. They were going at least 14,600 times the speed of light. Okay, who did that math for you? The Stargate Wiki. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I mean... You know, I was, oh, wait, you didn't think I just did it in my head? I was going to say about 7,000 times, because I'm not going to allow for the idea that they were going at real time on the episode. Right. Stargate Weekly says they were going at least 14,600 and possibly up to 87,600. So my thinking is... If the trip lasted an hour. Right. So if it was going to take them a year, then in order to do it in a day, they have to be moving 360 times faster. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do it in half a day, they need to move twice as fast as that. All right. So 700 times faster. And then multiply that by 10... To give you an hour to two hours of time frame, 7,000 times faster. Yeah. Well, well, also think hyperspace can be very fast. Because think um, it would only take the Daedalus like a couple weeks to go from Milky Way to Pegasus. Unless they have a ZPM. Then it's like a couple days, yeah. Yeah, like two or three days, yeah. So it's strictly a power. Apparently. So, I'm, I'm reading the other random stuff from the Stargate Wiki here. Uh, there are two instances of zat, uh, Zats being collapsed into their resting form, or whatever you want to call it, uh, at 17 minutes and 40 seconds, and at 17 minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, zats being collapsed into their, you know, not shooting uh, position. Do not make noise. That's like a deep cut goof, but, I mean, it's fair. That's a problem. Yeah. So thinking about the idea of more power means more faster. Mm-hmm. They decide to split up, gang. Yeah, there's two ships. Oh, you mean the team. Yeah, I meant the team. There are two ships, though. <laughs> Which we don't know until way late in the episode. Yeah. Like the last minute or something. Um... They decide to split up, gang, and Sam and Jackson go off to plant C4. 
Okay, we can intuit that there are two ships the moment that Apophis says he'll be joining them when they come out of the shadows. I did not take that from the perspective of there are two ships flying together through hyperspace. Ooh, that could be, yeah, a good point. Anyway. But rather that they were traveling to a rally point where Apophis was going to join them with the rest of the fleet. Okay, well anyway, they split up, gang. They split up, gang. Jackson and Sam go off to plant C4 charges mm-hmm. to blow up the ship. They now know it's they're on a ship. Mm-hmm. So and why Sam, does... Oh, are you talking... You gotta talk about the flammable fuel? Because that bugs me yes. too. She has right. no way of knowing the fuel that they, they use is flammable. Right. It reminded me of this thing that has floated around the internet for, gosh, five, ten years. Mm-hmm. Why are fire trucks red? Answer... Because they have eight wheels and four people on them, and four plus eight is twelve. And they are twelve inches and a foot, and one foot is a ruler, and Queen Elizabeth was a ruler. And Queen Elizabeth was also a ship, and the ship sailed the seas, and in the seas are fish, and fish have fins, and the fins fought the Russians, and the Russians are red, and that's why fire trucks are red. <laughs> it's because red is a standard uh, sign for, like, caution or emergency. Incidentally, red is close to, but not the most visible color. No, is it yellow? All light conditions. Yellow is also close to, but not the most. Slime lime. Ah, well, some fire trucks are slime lime. Some fire trucks are slime lime. Hashtag not all fire trucks. Yes. The fire trucks at the Carlisle Barracks were slime lime. <laughs> but yeah. That was the first thing that my head jumped to when she's like, well, they're powered by fuel and fuel is combustible. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, well, she does say most fuel is combustible. I recognize that, but... All right. Those things have to be fueled by something and fuel is usually combustible, so... But still, but you just said right there it might not be. Exactly. Okay. So something that I really want to touch on. Mm -hmm. When they leave the cargo area... And they're exploring the ship where there are surprisingly few Jaffa wandering around. That's very common on gold ships and bases. It is, future knowledge. But I feel like... Even past knowledge. knowledge. Um, in, um, you know, Children of the Gods, they make it all the way into, like, the, the oh, harem no, fair place. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. But I'm thinking, because future knowledge, we find out that a Hatak-class vessel carries many thousands of Jaffa. Is there like a Jaffa rec room or something? Right! Like, where are they? No. Are they always on, like, always at in the Jaffa chow hall? Is there like a giant Kelno Reem room or something? Ooh, that's a good point. They may be Kelno Reeming just all the time. Yeah, like when they're not specifically on duty, you know, marching around and clanking. Right, just just kill no rim. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. So. They come across the sarcophagus. Yes. Also, did you notice? With Maybe. the with the gliders. With the Jaffa that were, like, inspecting the gliders and doing stuff. That they were wearing short sleeve shirts. I didn't. But I'm going to talk about the gliders as well. Okay. So, anyway. The sarcophagus room. Which, to me, feels like a more appropriate place to put the com ball. Hmm. Also, props on t- tr- props to Teal'c for not saying sarcophaguses. Hmm. I did not catch that. 
I was I, I think I was still riding the high from courts martial. Mm, but sarcophagi, yeah, yeah. Jack says more snakeheads, and I feel like that's their term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally a racial epithet. Yes. <laughs> so then later, not too long after this point is when they fully discover that they are on board a spaceship. Mm -hmm. And a Jaffa comes wandering in, who I thought I recognized, but I was wrong. The only time ever that a Jaffa is alone. Just about, yeah. I I mean, you're probably going to get proven wrong two or three more times over the next ten years, but yeah. Oh yeah, no, okay. I was using a bit of hyperbole, but it is very uncommon for Jaffa to be alone. Yes. Uh, but no, like I said, I thought I recognized the guy's voice or face or something. Uh, I was wrong. No, no, no. He was, he was, he was a what that, he was a what guy. I thought I recognized the priest, um, too, but he wasn't anybody. All I had focused on the priest was, haha, Thad was wrong. They do bring back those head symbols again. <laughs> it's convenient that we just, uh, published that episode, so it was fresh in our heads. Yes, as we record this, we have just published, uh... Bloodlines. The Bloodlines episode, because we try to maintain a solid, on purpose, obviously, totally deliberate. Yeah, we try to maintain a solid buffer between recording and publishing by design. Yeah, totally by design. So anyway, so they find out that they're on a spaceship. The Jaffa comes wandering in. I think Sam shoots him with the Zat first, and then again. So Sam and then like, shoots she him has, again. She has no compunctions with killing the guy, right? Because they are they were all clear. One shot stuns, two shot kills, and then Teal disintegrates. And then him. Teal, right? And then Jack, way more worked up than I feel like he has any right to be. It's like you, this wasn't information you wanted to share with us. It's like really. My thinking is he's still a little on edge from what you mean. We're on a spaceship. Yeah, probably. So I'm going to, I'll let that one slide a little bit. Yeah. I thought it was kind of clever that he used a knife to keep that door slightly open. Yeah, no, that was good, right? And that's how you can tell that there's no, like, OSHA for the gold. Because on, you know, earth doors, there would be, like, a safety sensor that detected it didn't close and they would reopen. On American and European doors. Good point. Easily two thirds of the planet's population. That's probably, yeah, that's fair. Do not need to comply with these kinds of regulations. Okay. But there's, there clearly isn't a gold OSHA. And as Senator Kinsey pointed out, we are here to defend the United States of America. Ah. Yeah. Anyway. So at a certain point they say, "Hey, let's turn like, like oh, if only we could turn the ship around or something to, something to that effect." Like the only way the star is going to work is if the whole ship gets turned around. Mm-hmm. And Teal says something about how I don't recognize it; it's new technology. And yet later he mentions that it's a Hatak class. Well, yeah, sure, but like immediately after saying I don't recognize this new technology, he says. I'm only qualified, or a word similar to qualified. I think it was qualified. I forgot, to, I forgot to write it down. I'm only qualified to operate a ghoul death 
Death Glider. Mm-hmm. Then why did you even bother mentioning this looks like new technology? Yeah. Yeah. Like, just just start with that. Be like, I'm only qualified to operate a death, gl- death glider, and as such, I can't, like... Also, did Teal'c take a, a crash course in how to operate cooled ships later in the show? Because he definitely flies bigger ships than death gliders later. Maybe not the right term. <laughs> okay. But you you get my point. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of death gliders and your guy and you talking about the guys in the short sleeves. Mm-hmm. What is it with the bad guys and hanging their fighters from the ceiling? When else does this appear? Tie fighters. Oh yeah. yeah, you're right. I know I'm right. I don't know. The heroes always keep their ships on the ground. Now I'm trying to remember if we ever see how um Cylon ships, how Cylon fighters are stored inside a Cylon ship. I bet they're hanging too, yeah. And now I'm trying to remember because in in um they they use fight there are um Klingon fighters in uh, Star Trek Discovery. And in a recent episode, two of the characters were escaping from a Klingon ship and they commandeered a fighter and I'm trying to remember if they were hanging and I don't remember. I tried looking up Cylon Hanger. All the pictures are of uh, Galactica Hanger. <laughs> well, they don't hang there. They land. That's right. Because the good guys... Interestingly enough... Park their planes on the ground. Interestingly enough, led by a crew chief who was a Jaffa. Yes. As we will find out... And was also a Cylon. Many moons but That's it. neither here nor there. And sorry for the spoilers if you've never watched... Battlestar Galactica, but it's been Or the later seasons of... It's not really a spoiler. It's not a spoiler on SG-1, but the fact that he's a Cylon is totally a spoiler for BSG. <laughs> I just sort of assume that everyone's a Cylon on BSG. I feel like that's just the better way of handling it. I think that's probably safe. I mean, there's a few that weren't, but yeah, there were a lot of Cylons at BSG. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it just seems easier to assume they're all Cylons and then be like, oh, this guy wasn't one? That's amazing. <laughs> Man, BSG was so good, and then it got so weird. Fair enough. Anyway. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I have so many little notes. We don't need to do uh, BSG Weekly. No. I have so many little notes about the episode. Like, when uh, Teal'c and Jack are assaulting Corel and Corel is just super Chlorel. chill. I said Corel. It's Chlorel. Oh, there's two L's. Yes. Anyway, they're assaulting that guy. <laughs> oh, trying to do better next time. Seriously. He's just super chill up until like the last Jaffa gets not gets taken down. Yeah. And then he uses his hand device against a wall. Like, yeah. Why? Like, why? Why? Uh, a lot of what Chlorel did was confusing to me. Yeah, a little bit. And if he had only listened to Apophis. Uh, yeah. And I, but I did really like the. Oh, you want to see your home again? Oh yeah. That was good. Yeah. No, that was that was nice. Yeah. I think it would have been more dramatic though if when they opened the window, it didn't show Saturn, and showed Earth. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they knew what Saturn was, but... Jack's got his telescope up on our roof for a reason. 
And it wasn't originally to spy on the neighbors. Very true. So one other factoid from the Stargate wiki. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice this at all. I, so I don't even know when we see this. But the it, it, they claim the episode reveals that General Hammond is left-handed. <laughs> is he feeding the papers into the shredder with his left hand? I don't know. <laughs> is that something that one does with one hand over the other? I don't know. Maybe he's writing at some point. So one thing that really kind of jumped out at me on the first viewing, mm-hmm. paying attention to in the second viewing, the pause was not as, uh, it wasn't as long of a pause as I thought it was. But after Teal'c and Jack get captured and Chlorel comes to call his dad and be like, Daddy, look what I've done. But before that, Jackson is literally the only person to point out maybe we shouldn't be hanging around the viewing device. Maybe it can see us. Hmm. Anyway. It can't, though. But they don't know that. Teal could maybe know that, but if someone had brought up that point originally, Teal could have been like, nah, they can't see through it. It's one way. Um, except it's not, because Corel and Apophis have a conversation. It's not one way. No, it's not. But you're saying it only works when it's on. Yeah, I think I. Otherwise, they totally like knew a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Or maybe and, it works all the time, but you have to be like in the room watching it. Yeah. Anyway. So after Chlorel says, "Daddy, look what I have done." Jackson and Sam are talking. Sam's like, "We're gonna blow this thing up anyway." Jackson has some hesitation. To the blowing up the ship plan, or rather, like specifically the rescuing mm-hmm. Jack and Teal'c part of the plan. Jackson wants them to blow the ship now. Yeah, and I wonder. At this point, they even after. At this point, they still think it's going to be a year before they get there. Right, but then even after Sam says, "No, no, no," I put it on a twenty-four hour timer. Everything's fine. He still kind of takes a second. And I don't know if this is intentional and in the writing, but part of me wonders, as a viewer, if this is Jack going, how how can I still save my wife? Uh, you mean Daniel, but yes. Son. How, Jack's son. Danielson, okay. Danielson! Danielson! Yeah, I, I, I would have to say the, the last sort of thing that really jumped out at me, other than... Daniel's hesitation is Jack's hesitation with regard to shooting Chlorel twice. Yeah. And the first time made even less sense or no, like I, I, I can't even sure like which one of those instances made less sense. The first time where Jack was wielding a weapon that did not equal instant death. Yeah. One-shot stuns. Yeah, he shouldn't have really had much of an issue with that one. But then... I understand the hesitation, you know, with, you know, shooting with a gun. Yes and no, because now, apparently, he's valuing... I I don't know. It, it, It seems like... It's like the trolley problem, where you can switch the track, and you take out seven kindergartners, or you take out 14 puppies or whatever it's like insert your moral quandary of choice Mm -hmm. here 
do I shoot my friend? And he didn't even have to. Like, Jack is a trained soldier. Mm-hmm. Soldier's the wrong word because he's in the Air Force. But Airman. Yeah. I mean, in more modern times, he would be known as an operator. Mm. Is that um, really what they call them now? Operator is like a solid catch-all that actually there's just be sort of like special forces. Mm. To my understanding, at least. It's like a catch-all term. Um, but no, Jack is a trained marksman. He's been at this for a while. There's no reason why his shots needed to be lethal. He just had it to... He, he just needed to disengage Chlorel. He could have shot him twice in the arm, for all I care. So he's faced with the decision of, do I shoot my friend who's infested with this parasite in order to save my other friend? And apparently the only reason why this like was such a struggle for him was because he was only thinking, do I shoot to kill my friend? Mm-hmm. Instead of just Shoot to disengage. Also, where'd his zat go? Yeah, I don't remember what happened to the zat. Maybe because he was... They got knocked out and dragged away, etc., etc., but where, like, I guess he picked up the pistol? Yeah, because if he still had the pistol, you know, they may not have known the pistol was a weapon. Eh, They've been dealing with the humans for a little while now. Have they been dealing with pistols? I feel like every other time they were using rifles. Mm. I don't mm. know if they ever used the sidearms against the gold before. That's fair. So they also may not have, simply may not have searched him, but they saw that he was holding a zat, so they took that. I had not considered that. But still. Yeah. What's with the lag time Yeah. No. in shooting Chlorel? Yeah, well. Yeah, well. No, but this was a very good episode. We had so many tiny nitpicks because we're us. But I have many more nitpicks, actually. Of course you do. For example, what makes it more advanced than your Earth television? I was wondering that, too. Especially because, because like it that floats? line that goes down through it? like Right, exactly. Because even looking back 20 years, we had halfway decent TVs 20 years ago. Yeah, they weren't very great. No, they weren't. We didn't but... have, like, HD yet. You're right. They didn't float in midair or anything. And we don't know how, and from, actually we don't know this this time, but future knowledge is that they basically work across any distance. Literally yeah. any distance. What other nitpicks did you have? As I go through my nitpicks. I didn't write my nitpicks down, so I've, I've said all the ones that come to mind. Ah, oh, you gotta write the nitpicks down, man. <laughs> like, when they're trying to fix the doors into the sarcophagus room where they've captured Chlorel... Why do the crystals make that noise? Because the Jaffa are fiddling with the crystals trying to get back into the room. And there's all this noise happening. Maybe it's like the motors of the door. I don't know. Why do but... they use the same shot for destru- the destruction of both door controls? Why did Teal call it a coiled serpent when it's clearly just sort of like a wiggly one? Why didn't he? Oh, they couldn't say the Apophis symbol because we don't yet know it's the Apophis symbol. Well, that's a good point. Uh, Jackson, or Daniel, you're good, that's a good point. Daniel, coming in, rocking the doolies when it's rescue time. That was pretty great. Enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. Why is Walter wearing a sweater? Why does I Walter still one- not have a name? I was wondering why Walter was the only person wearing a sweater. 
Well, it's because, you know, the program shut down as casual Friday forever. Well, no, it's like the Air Force sweater. Because um, it's the same kind of sweater that uh, Landry wears in uh, Seasons 9 and 10 of SG-1. Mm. So I assume it's standard Air Force issue. Did Walter still not have a name? I didn't even notice. Still didn't. They called him Sergeant. Right, but was he still just credited as technician? Ooh, that I didn't notice. Again, because I finished watching, I immediately scrub all the way You back know, I don't him. think they mentioned him in the end credits because they list him in the beginning. He's listed as one of the regu- one of the guest stars at the beginning. Oh, okay. So they he's not referenced as anything. Hmm. The only people mentioned at the end are uh, Ferretti and there was one other person who are like not important enough to be to get. Yeah, uh, Ferretti and one of the Jaffa and two of the Jaffa get their names at the end. Everyone else okay. gets their names post credit. Or post-theme, I mean. Oh, okay. And I did notice Gary Jones' name was there. I'm like, oh, cool, Walter's in this, because he hadn't appeared yet. Yeah, he doesn't show up until, like, halfway through, when Freddy says, let me go after him. So I think, perhaps, we'll never know when Gary Jones gets uh, list gets officially, gets his name in the script until someone actually calls him Walter. Right, so that's when we'll know. But we won't. He may have already been named in the script, just like as in Walter says this. Oh, that's well. Yeah. Okay. I see your point. Anyway, you ready for my last nit pick? I am ready. Pick your nit. My nit is about to be picked. Gross. <laughs> Why does Corel think that his glowy eye things is a Jedi mind trick? <laughs> I don't know. At least twice. While Jack is threatening him, Corel does the glowy eye thing when he's saying, your friend wants me to be here, glowy eye thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe he thinks he's Hathor. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, that's pretty much it. The, the, those, are, those, are the, those are the nits yeah. I picked out. So that was season one of Stargate SG-1. Yes, it was. I had a pretty good time. Yeah, me too. Next week, we're going to do an overview of Season 1. We'll think, talk about some of our thoughts about Season 1, etc. Yeah, we'll go through the season as a whole. We'll discuss our uh, top episodes and bottom episodes. I'm not sure about my third from bottom. My first, my bottom two were immediate. Like, oh, I know what those are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh... We will, we're going to go through and pick out the scenes that make up the opening theme, mm-hmm. because we definitely called it out three or four times yeah. over the course of the season uh, for you. And yeah, just in general, talk about how we felt about the, about the season. We're also going to do a quiz. We are going to do a quiz. We haven't, uh, we haven't uh, nailed down which quiz yet. No, I have that season one quiz bookmarked. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Excellent. Yes, I don't know how good it. it is because I can't like do it ahead of time. But that's no, you can't. That'd be cheating. <laughs> yeah, but we have a yeah. You're right. Yeah, we got that quiz all set up, ready to go, and we're gonna go. We're gonna go through that live, <laughs> <laughs> or at least for the first time. We'll do that in Bill O'Reilly fashion. 
<laughs> yeah, and literally nothing else uh, in Bill O'Reilly fashion. Definitely nothing else in Bill O'Reilly fashion. Nothing else, except maybe being rich. I mean, sure, I'll take that, but, you know. Yeah, I'll like, take his money, but none of his problems. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I, I do not want to be equated with Bill O'Reilly. Let's just oh, goodness. <laughs> for real. But, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you're already listening, so I, gosh, hope you subscribe by now since we're 20 episodes, 20 plus episodes in. This is the 22nd episode of the show because of uh, the episode we did about uh, Star Trek. Yeah, as discussed at the beginning of this episode, it's hazy as to the episode number that this is, and so I just get confused. Yeah, it's the twenty <laughs> second episode of SG One, and because we've we added an extra episode in there, it is the twenty second episode of our podcast. Very good. Obviously, if you're still listening at this point, you probably subscribe by now. But get your friends to subscribe. That'd be great. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. At Stargate Weekly. That's probably, you you know, our most active place. You can also follow us on Facebook, but we're not going to pay Facebook to promote our posts, so... Oh, goodness, no. And we really don't have any people active on our page on Facebook. But uh, definitely get us on Twitter. I'm Gamicus on Twitter. I'm Tyrannicus on Twitter. We're also StargateWeekly.com. Not that it matters. And that's our show. Yeah. Later. First episode of the Stuart Thad show <laughs> is you and I hate watching Batman v Superman. Okay, that's got to be for a really high Patreon donation level. Hells yes! <laughs> <laughs> like you got to be giving us at least ten dollars a month before I'm willing to watch. All of this is going to the end <laughs> of the show. Yeah, like. <laughs>